Welcome to the Eastridge Church South Campus Podcast. We bring to you the message portion of our Sunday services in a convenient podcast form. You can listen on your way to work, during your lunch break, or even during your workouts. We want to put tools in your pocket to help you throughout the week. If you would like to find out who we are or what we are about, please visit us at eastridge.church. All right, let's go. So have you ever done something where immediately when you did it, or right after you did it, um, you knew it was wrong, um, and immediately after you did it, you wanted to just crawl under a rock and just hide, die, whatever it was, so you didn't have to deal with the consequences so that no one would find out. You, you did that thing, and then, man, you just, like, man, just, just, just cover me in a mile of dirt so that no one could ever find me again. I don't have to deal with it. Just, it's embarrassing. Have you ever had one of those moments? I had one of those moments when I was younger, and uh, it's, so, it's so bad and so embarrassing that I had trouble writing it out when I was writing the message. Um, thinking about sharing the story with y'all was even worse. So, um, just help me here. Be with me, okay? Um, it's a safe place, so I'm going to share this with you. Um, so I was younger. I was about seven or eight years old when this moment happened, and I wanted to just crawl under a rock. Uh, so seven, eight years old. Um, my friend and I, we were at my house, and we lived uh, in rural Texas. Uh, the road in front of our house, across the street from our house, was just woods and everything like that, just, uh, just you know, in the country. And so uh, we would uh, just kind of right out on the, the front fence line, we would get the, the black walnuts from our, from our walnut tree or just sticks or whatever, and just, you know, we're boys. So like, we just, it's like, hey, let's, can we throw it across the road and reach the, the forest, right? That's what, that's what boys do. We throw sticks. So, um, so we started doing that, and then, you know, it's, it's the road right there, so cars start coming by. And, uh, you know, we pause for a minute and let the car go past. And then we're like, hey, wait, wait a second. You know, maybe we can throw it over the cars when they come. And so we were successful. You know, we, we, your car comes by, you throw it over and uh, miss the car, goes into the woods, all that stuff. But then we get the idea, what if we, what if we could actually hit the car with one of the sticks or the black walnuts that we were throwing? Now, I've heard that your judgmental, the judgment part of your brain doesn't fully develop until, you know, your 20s or so. So imagine me in my seven or eight-year-old body my seven or eight-year-old boy brain just wasn't quite there yet, right? So uh, I get a stick, and uh, the first car comes by. I throw it, swing and a miss, uh, because I didn't realize, you know, at my young age that you have to lead the car. So I figured that out, right? So uh, here comes this car. It's just, uh, uh, looking back, I think it was an F, F-150 or something like that. Um, gray, I think it was. And so I throw my stick. I lead it just right, right in the front left wheel well, just smack, just perfect hit. It was, it was a great throw. That's when I saw smoke and heard the sound of screeching tires. 
the guy driving the truck just completely flat out put his foot on the brake. Like the tires stopped turning. That's how quickly he slowed down, just skidding, screeching to a halt. Um, all I remember is that flash and then sprinting as fast as I could to the backyard, uh, climbing a tree, which was not very high, because in that moment, immediately, my first reaction was, oh no, I need to run. There's, uh, he actually stopped, and I have to hide and, and get, out of, get out of harm's way. So uh, the guy actually came to my, our front gate, and uh, I don't know how, our, he got my mom's attention or something. So my mom goes out and talks to the man, and uh, uh, it was a brand new truck. He had just gotten it, and uh, I don't know if I left a scratch, but it was a, it was a good throw. So anyway, the, the man and my mom talk, and I come out and apologize, and everything was okay, and uh, he had kids, so he understood, and just, you know, sometimes kids are just dumb, right? Um, I, I was, I was, I was dumb, but uh, man, that story, I, I, I made it, by the way, I survived, I told you all the story, so, uh, but that story, just, when I think back on that, man, I just, it's embarrassing, you know, and, and uh, when, when you do something, and you, you realize it's wrong, and, and, you just have that moment, like that oh no moment. Uh, man, I just wanted to, to hide myself under a rock. I just wanted to, to run away and hide from the, the sin that I committed, the, the wrongdoing. And I wanted to hide from the shame and the embarrassment. I wanted to hide from uh, the consequences of having to deal with what I did. And so that's what I, that's what I did. I ran and I hid. Well, as, as humans, as people, uh, we love to hide, don't we? We love to hide, and uh, uh, whether it's something that we uh, do that we want to hide, or, or maybe uh, you have you know, a big family, and you're eating that bowl of cereal, and you just want to hide in the closet to eat your cereal so you don't get interrupted, you know what I'm saying? And then you hear the footsteps coming towards you, and so you start eating faster and faster and faster. Uh, so sometimes we hide because we don't want to be interrupted. Uh, sometimes we hide because we're afraid of getting caught. We hide what we're doing. Um, sometimes we do. Sometimes we mess up, and man, just the weight of having to deal with the mistake you've made or just the really bad choice you've made makes it so that you just kind of want to brush it under the rug or just hide. And so we do. We love to hide. We, we love to hide when we're afraid. We love to hide when we're ashamed and embarrassed. We love to hide when we, we know we've done something wrong. And we know that this is part of just human nature because it's, hiding has, is something that happened from the very beginning, right? Uh, from the very beginning of creation, uh, the first two human beings, we see this example of hiding. And so uh, today we're going to be looking at the, the story of, of Adam and Eve and the fall, kind of as, as Kay and as Cameron mentioned. And uh, so if you have your Bibles, you want to pull those out, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 3. You can follow along, Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Uh, the verses will be on the screen. Uh, but if you've ever had that moment where you, you did something wrong but, and you just wanted to crawl under a rock, um, you can take comfort from this story because uh, the biggest mistake ever known to man, mankind, wasn't yours. You didn't make it. You didn't make that mistake. Adam and Eve did because their one mistake changed the course of history. And I don't think they realized just how heavy their mistake was, but what we'll see in the story is that regardless, they felt shame, they felt 
fear, and so they hid. And so as we uh, turn to Genesis uh, chapter 3, starting in verse 1, at this point, God has created the world. He's created uh, the heavens and the earth. And at the end of his creation, everything was good and perfect. Uh, everything was just, uh, not just, not just good, but God said it was a very, very good. And so uh, in this, this state of perfection, Adam and Eve were um, exposed. Uh, you know, I may just use that word as we read the text. Uh, and they felt no shame. There was no shame. There was complete innocence. Everything was good. Everything was holy. Everything was pure. They felt no shame. But then sin entered the world. And when they felt shame, they hid. And so as we read this story, we're going to learn a few things about sin. And we're also going to learn a few things about our desire to hide. But more importantly, we're going to learn a few things about the nature of God and who he is and how he longs to redeem us and call us out of hiding. So Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1. The serpent, as Kay alluded to. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? Now, first off, uh, the snake is talking not just like to a woman, like the snake is talking. So I don't know what was going on at the beginning, beginning of creation or if you know, things were one way back at the beginning before the fall and now they're different now, but beginning of creation, the snake is talking and this is what he says. Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat uh, fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. And Satan responded, you won't die, the the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. So, this first encounter kind of reveals to us something about sin. Sin always makes promises that it cannot keep. Sin always seems to promise something uh, pleasurable or something that looks good in the moment, but it always makes promises that it can't keep. And what Satan loves to do is he loves to lure us with sin And by doing so, he makes us question God's goodness. Because basically what sin is, is taking something that God created that was good and turning it for evil. Questioning God's goodness, the way that he designed for things to work, and taking control, taking matters into our own hands, which essentially is pride, which is the root of all sin. But sin makes promises that it cannot keep. The serpent said, you won't die which was a lie, because God promised that you will surely die. Even Eve said so. And then he also says, uh, if you eat it, your eyes will be opened. You will be like God, knowing both good and evil. So that's the promise of of this, this fruit, is that you won't die, which was a lie. And the promise is you'll be like God, so here's here's the tricky part about that phrase right there. Eve and Adam were already both like God. Because scripture tells us that they were created, man and woman, they were created in the image of God. 
But Eve started to question God's goodness. He started to question God's plan for her life, for the, the, the history of the world. Because she believed that sin can make a promise, but we know that sin makes promises that it can't keep. And so she took and, and ate it. So verse 6, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, that very moment, their eyes were opened. And they suddenly felt shame at their exposure. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool of the, of the evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Sin makes promises that it cannot keep. But here's what we also learn about sin, is that sin leads to shame, and shame leads to separation. When God created the, the heavens and the earth, when he created uh, man and woman, everything was good, everything was perfect, everything was sin-free. But because of that one decision, to eat that fruit, to commit that sin, there was a separation between God and man. Things were broken. That relationship was broken, and it would continue to be broken all throughout history. But the other thing that we see because of that brokenness, because of that sin, it leads to shame. They wanted to eat the fruit so that they would know, that they would have that wisdom, that knowledge. But when they ate that fruit, the first thing that they knew when their eyes were opened, first thing they knew was shame. And when you're ashamed, when you're embarrassed, when you're afraid, you hide. You hide yourself you hide your, your actions and your behavior. <laughs> Later on, we'll even see that uh, Adam tries to, to pass the blame. That woman that you placed in the garden with me, she sinned and handed me some of the fruit. We try to hide our actions and what we've done. And that's what we see exactly happen in this story. Because of their shame, because of their fear, they hid so watch what happens next. I'm going to read verse 8 again. So when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord called to the man. He said, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was exposed. I love that question that God asks. God's walking through the garden just like he always did. He walked in the garden to talk with man. And as he walks through the garden, he asks that question, where are you? Just think about that question for a minute. Think about who's asking that question. God, who spoke creation into being, who is all-powerful, all-knowing, always present everywhere, 
asks the question, where are you? I don't think God asks that question because he doesn't know the answer. I think God asked that question because he wanted Adam and Eve to know that he was looking for them. He wanted Adam and Eve to know what he knew. That he came, that he was there in the garden and he didn't come to scold, he didn't come to to condemn, he didn't come to punish, he came to seek them, to draw them out. And maybe, maybe God had a feeling or God knew that maybe deep down secretly Adam and Eve in their hiding, maybe he knew that they wanted to be found. You know, as a, as a, b- before I was a parent, I would always hear teachers and preachers talk about how being a, a parent helps you learn more about the nature of God. And so I, you, you kind of hear those things and you roll your eyes. Yeah, sure. Uh, but now that I'm a parent, I, I, I understand where they're coming from. So uh, my daughter, Katie, is three years old. My son, Samuel, is one year old. And so we do our bedtime routines and uh, Hannah goes and puts Katie down uh, in her bed. And then I go and put Samuel down in his crib. And, and so when Samuel's all taken care of and he looks like he's ready for a great night's sleep, I kind of just close the door. And then I, I walk down the hall and I can just kind of see right into uh, Katie's room, right through her door. Her bed is right, uh, kind of right by the, the bedroom door. And so um, when she hears me coming, she hears my footsteps, and she sees my silhouette enter into the frame of the door. She kind of goes, she kind of gives a little gasp, like, <gasps> and she immediately pulls the covers over her head. And so I just kind of stand there waiting. It's quiet. She pulls the covers over her head. She's waiting there. And then finally, out of the silence, uh, from underneath the covers, I hear this whisper, Daddy, come find me. Daddy, come find me. My heavenly Father, come find me. I've sinned. My shame is more than I can bear. In my own strength, I cannot come out to face you. So in my hiding, Father, come find me. I've experienced that longing. You probably have too. Sometimes our our hearts are so hard and we're so deep in our sin and we're so deep within hiding that We forget what it's like to long for the Father to come and find us. But that's exactly what God was doing. He showed up in the garden and he asked them, where are you? Not only did God not come to condemn them, to reject them, to scold them, He came. He came to them. He called to them. And then he redeemed them. 
God calls them out of hiding. He, he, he talks to them. He, he kind of lays out the consequences, of just the consequences of sin. Now that this perfect world has been adulterated by sin and broken because of sin, he explains to them what's going to happen in the brokenness of the world from this point on and all these horrible things, the, the pains of childbirth and the toil as we work to produce a crop in the ground. He kind of just explains everything that's gonna happen because of the brokenness of sin. But then he gets to this point, after he's done explaining, he draws them out, and we read this in verse 21. After all of this, he said, the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. They had sought to hide themselves from their sin and from their shame. But what God came in and did was he redeemed them. In order to cover them with skins from an animal, an animal has to die. So basically what was happening here is that from the very beginning of this story, from the very beginning of creation, God was letting us know that the consequences for sin is death. But what God was letting us know too is that he would be willing to make the sacrifice. He was willing to make the sacrifice of an animal to cover Adam and Eve's sin and their shame, to redeem them and restore them. And he does the same for you. And he does the same for me. God came in the flesh through Jesus. God called out to us through the gospel of Jesus. Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. He said, whoever believes in me shall not die but live forever. The truth that overcame the lie that was told in the garden. Not only did God come to us, not only did God call to us through Jesus, but God redeemed us through the sacrifice of Jesus, through his death, through his burial, and through his resurrection, because God loves us. He knows where you are. He knows you. He knows your name. He knows your story. Whether you realize it or not, he knows that deep down you have this longing, this calling, saying, Daddy, Father, come find me. And through Jesus, he's asking, where are you? Not because he doesn't know where you are, but because he does know where you are. He wants you to know that he is looking for you. He is seeking for you. God is crazy about loving you. He loves you so much that he was willing to make the sacrifice through his son, Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans paints this picture, the contrast between creation and Christ, the contrast between Adam and Jesus. Paul, in the book of Romans, chapter 5, starting verse 17, he writes this. For the sin of this one man, Adam, 
caused death to rule over many. Worst mistake known to humankind. It wasn't yours. So you can be thankful for that. It's one mistake. But even greater than this one mistake, even greater than this shame and this sin, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one, person's dis- one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person, Jesus, obeyed God, many will be made righteous. Just like in the garden, God sent his son to be that perfect sacrifice. And through his sacrifice, we are able to be clothed in Christ, clothed in the righteousness of God, so that when God looks at us, he does not see our shame. He does not see us just completely exposed and and afraid. When he looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Christ. He clothes us in Christ and welcomes us back with open arms. So how do we respond to that? How do we come back to the Father? (laughs) The writers of the New Testament make it very clear, Jesus makes it very clear that we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We repent of our sin and our shame. We step into the light. We confess that he is Jesus, Lord, Jesus, Son of God, and we trust him. That's how we come back to the Father because Jesus made it possible for us to come back to the Father. So when Katie pulls those covers over her head, and when I hear that whisper, Daddy, come find me. I make sure that I always answer that call that I always come find her when she's running through the house and she says, Daddy, run and come and get me. As best as I can, I always try to run after her, even when I don't feel like it. Why? Because I want her to know that I'm always going to try to come find her. I want her to know that I'm always going to pursue her And that when I finally catch her, when I finally find her, I'm going to wrap her in my arms, scoop her up, give her sweet hugs and sweet kisses. I'm going to talk to her. I'm going to speak truth to her. I'm going to tell her that I love her. I'm going to keep her safe. That's what God is doing in this story And that's what God is doing in our story. He's calling out for you. Where are you? He knows exactly where you are. But he wants you to know that he's seeking you. 
And all you have to do is come out of hiding into the light and let him redeem you through the grace and mercy and love of his son, Jesus Christ. So let's pray together. Father, we come to you. (laughs) Lord, it is so easy to hide from the things that we've done, to hide from our sin, to hide from our shame. Lord, to hide from you. Lord, I know that I have hidden But I know, Lord, that in my hiding, in my sin, and in my shame, deep down, I wanted you to come find me, and Lord, you did. God, my prayer is that for anyone who's with us today, Lord, if they are hiding, but they want to be found by you, Father, I pray that they would hear your voice and that you would give them the strength they need to come out of hiding, come into the light, into the Father's love, and be redeemed and wrapped in the righteousness of Christ. (laughs) Lord, as we look at this year, as we look at what it looks like to have a reset and a restart and to be redeemed, Father, I pray that you would give us the strength. Help us to, to answer your call and to run into your arms. Father, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to speak with someone about the message you just heard, or if you would like to pray with someone, send us an email at info at eastridge.church. If you feel led to support the ministry at Eastridge, please visit eastridge.church give. Thank you for your generosity. Remember, no matter where you are in life, God loves you. We love you, and you have a family at East Ridge Church.